Let's pray. God, thank you so, so, so much for being so good, God. Thank you for an opportunity to share the story of Jesus. Thank you for an opportunity to, to share the story, even the story of creation, God, that, that somebody has heard some foolishness about a big bang, but even they were smart enough to know. They were taught that in school, but they knew that they've always known there has to be something more than that. There's got to be something bigger than that. Where, where would a bang even come from if nothing existed, God? I, I thank you for, for forgiving us, God. I thank you for being long-suffering with the foolishness of man. Professing themselves to be wise, they became as fools, God. Well, that certainly is where we are in today's world, but yet you continue to forbear, you continue to love, you continue to share, you continue to give us opportunities, God. I just want to tell you thank you for loving us. Thank you for saving our souls, God. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for the resurrection, for the hope, the promise of the future is to come. But God, I pray you'd make us usable vessels right here and right now, God. I pray you'd use us, and when we leave this earth, we take as many with us as we can, Father. I pray, God, you'd help us to be faithful, Lord. I pray you'd just give us a boldness and a purity. I pray you'd give us a, a peace, a love, a kindness, that people would just see Christ in us. Lord, I pray you'd take this message tonight, God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for, for the story here of, of Saul becoming the apostle Paul. I pray you'd speak to our hearts tonight, God. I pray you'd help each one of us to learn something. We love you, God. You've been good to us. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, so here in Acts chapter 9, um, last week we, we met a man by the name of Ananias for the first time, or really for the only time in all the Bible, and how God came and told Ananias to, to go over to the house of Judas over on the street called Straight. He said, go over to Straight Street, Judas's house, and there's going to be a man named Saul of Tarsus there, and I want you to go see him. And Ananias does kind of like, as we talked about last week, something I would have done, God Apparently, you don't know who he is and tried to explain some things, but, but God told him very clearly. He said, go thy way in verse number 15, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Tonight, we'll pick up. Verse number 17, Ananias went his way, he entered into the house, putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Immediately they fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith, and arose and was baptized. When he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples, which were at Damascus, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. So thank you guys and be seated. But when the Lord said, go thy way, he's a chosen vessel of mine. That's like the Lord said, I know exactly who he is. Ananias said, I know what he did in Jerusalem. I know he was persecuting Christians. I know he held the coats. He led the charge against Stephen. He said, I know all that. The Lord made it very clear. I know all that about him, but he is a chosen vessel unto me. That was it for Ananias. End of discussion. All I needed to know, Lord, as long as you know who he is, that's where you say go, I'm on my way. So he headed on over to Straight Street. He walked in, but, but the introduction, I can't help. But wonder how Saul would have reacted to the opening two words, Brother Saul. 
brother Saul. Think about who Saul is now. And, and the first Christian that, that we know of, uh, we, we don't really know about Judas's house, don't know who else is there and what's going on there in that house. But the first Christian that we know of that spoke to him said, Brother Saul. I mean, three days ago, he's the villain of the church. His whole purpose in life, his whole mission is to destroy the church. So I'm thinking for this Christian to walk into the house. Now, he's already been told, remember, the Lord's already shown him in a vision, a man named Ananias, what the Lord said. A man named Ananias is going to come. This man, Ananias, comes in, and the first thing he says is Brother Saul. I'm just thinking that's probably a couple of pretty special words. That's probably, probably touching to the heart of Saul. But, but then he says, the Lord, even Jesus, the one that came, talking about the one that came to you on the way here now, here Saul is. Saul is blind. He ain't talked to anybody. He don't know Ananias. He hasn't told Ananias anything about it. But yet Ananias knows his story. Now, that means Saul not only met Jesus, but he's got to know now that this Jesus that he met has told him that Ananias is coming. He's gone and told Ananias to come see Saul. Saul's got to begin to, to put the pieces together here. Anybody know what I'm talking about? About how the Lord is talking within his church and talking to people and putting things together. So I, I would think that'd be a confirmation for both of them. Uh, imagine what a, must have gone through the mind of Saul right here that all this is going on. Now, I would tend to see it as a confidence builder for both men. I would think for Ananias, that once he walked in and began to talk to Saul, I would think the confidence began to grow. As a matter of fact, I think when he walked through the door, I think it's a lot like preaching, maybe even teaching, and anybody that's ever done either will know exactly what I'm talking about. There, there's been times when I was younger, you, and you get an opportunity to preach, that you're nervous as you can be. Man, you'd sit out there waiting on your time, and you sit out there nervous, and, and you're not real sure, and, and, and the whole time you're nervous until you walk on the platform. When you walk on the platform, it all goes away. I used to preach, Larry, Larry Estes has done a good job of, of breaking me, y'all know that. I used to walk all over the church, I've been out in the parking lot a couple times talking, and trying to talk to people in the foyer while I was preaching, wondering what they're doing out there, and Larry told me I mean, he's going to corner me in with barbed wire if I didn't learn to stand right here because the cameras couldn't keep up. So I was talking one time about how the anointing of God is on the pulpit. If you just get to the pulpit, if you just get to the place that God has designed, everything's okay. And my son said, well, that ain't going to do you no good. I said, why? And he said, because you ain't ever on the podium. I feel like it's the same right here. I think when Ananias walked on that podium... I think when he walked in that door, there was an anointing. And I think that anointing had to do with a lot. Number one, I think it gave a calmness and an assurance to Ananias. I think there was a, a fullness within him, a freshness within him. But I think it anointed him with the love of God. I think that when he touched Saul and Saul's eyes were open, the first thing he saw was about, about as close as thing as you're going to get to the face of Jesus Christ. I think he saw love and compassion from somebody that he came there to kill, from somebody that he came there because he hated. The first thing he saw was what love and compassion looked like through the eyes of a fellow believer. I, I think that anointing that would have been on him when he walked in and he began to talk, I think that became some confidence for both of them, probably cleared the air as they began to talk. But I feel like as soon as he began to speak and, and Saul began to hear these words and, and he, he began to talk about the things and began to put it together that Jesus had spoke, spoken to both of them, I think these two became connected by the Holy Spirit at that moment. 
Anybody know what a Holy Spirit connection feels like? Man, some people, you don't have to, you don't have to try to befriend, man. It just becomes natural through, through the Holy Spirit. So we have this first introduction to, to anybody that was in this new family, in the new family of Christians. I would think it's a pretty heartwarming experience, but it says immediately that there fell from his eyes as had been scales. He received sight forthwith, arose, and was baptized. That's a pretty important statement, that he arose and was baptized. Baptism's a big deal, amen? Baptism is not going to get you to heaven. Baptism is not a necessary step for salvation. Baptism is letting everybody know that I'm in the family. It's letting everybody know publicly I've trusted Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. It is an outward profession of an inward change that old things have passed away. I'm a new creature in Christ. I want all of the world to know. I mean, today when we do baptism, we plan it ahead. We, we set it out ahead of time. We fill the pool, turn the water on to make sure that it's warm. Sometimes, sometimes, most of the time, some of the times, anyway. But, but we plan that ahead because we want everybody to let their family know I'm being baptized so that all their family can come and parents and grandparents and everybody can come. And it's a, it's a day of joy. It's a day of celebration, rightfully so, but the, not so much in the day of Saul. I mean, the purpose of baptism hasn't changed. It was the same then as it is now. It, it is an outward sign of an inward change. It, it's, a, it's a public Testimony, but, but in the day of Saul, especially pertaining to the Jews, it's all about perception. It's the perception that, that has changed. In the day of Saul, a Jewish family might tolerate you saying, well, I'm going to follow Jesus. A Jewish family might tolerate you coming home and saying, well, I've trusted Jesus, they might think they can persuade you or change you or do some things different. They, they might tolerate you talking about this Jesus. But to say that you had been baptized into the family, you had trusted Christ as your Savior, you were baptized into the church, baptized into the family of God, that is an instant excommunication for a Jew. Not just out of the synagogue, but that's excommunication from the family. You are no longer my son. You're no longer my child. You no longer belong in this family. Not just the family, but you no longer belong to the Jews. It was to be written off by the entire Jewish community because the Jews, they're going to do whatever the religious elite says. They're going to follow those guys, and they know that if you've been baptized, number one, you're not going to want to hang around, hang around that bunch of wicked crowd, but you're going to be excommunicated from the synagogue, so you can't go there anyway. And because of that, the entire Jewish community is going to write them off. I think it was last week we looked at Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 8. Paul said, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. When Saul said he lost all things, he meant he lost all things. He lost his family. He lost his position. You know, he's a pretty big deal among the religious elite, right? I mean, he, he's their favorite son. He, he lost 
everything. And he said, I praise God because all of it was a gain in Christ. Everything that I lost, I'm thankful for because it made room to gain things in Christ. Verse 19, when he received meat, it said that he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples, which were at Damascus. So remember, Saul's been fasting for three days, right? Remember we learned last week, I guess it was, that, that he's been fasting for three days since he was stricken with the blindness. He has been fasting and praying for three days. So now we see that, that his eyes are open, and, and now he's, he's having meat. This is his first opportunity to break bread or to have a, a meal with, with the fellowship. Isn't it amazing how fast God can change a man's heart? I, I mean, here's a man who is on his way to Damascus with one thing in mind. Get rid of those stinking Christians. Get rid of those that claim to follow Christ. They cannot cohabitate with our Judaism. They cannot mix. They have got to go. He is on his way to get rid of them. Three days later, after being visited by Jesus, stricken with blindness, here he is with the love for the people. You know, that's one of the things when I was trying to talk with that young lady yesterday about, about salvation in talking about the, our differences in growing up, the difference is I, I was taught the things of God. It's easy for me to believe heaven and hell. It's easy for me to believe in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was out form and void and darkness upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved. It's easy for me to see that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit was all present at creation. It's, it's easy for me because I was taught all that. You're talking about somebody that has never heard that. I said, but even though we come from two totally different spectrums, I had learned all of this, and you've learned none of this. If anything, I am the guiltier party when we stand before God because I knew. And I said, thank you, but no thank you. Keep it, don't want it. Heard enough. You didn't know. Now, it doesn't, you know now. God's made a way for you to know now. I said, but, but I can tell you this. I grew up my whole life. Wanting to be saved only because I didn't want to go to hell. I remember many, 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 many times being in that old church altar praying and asking God to forgive me for Friday night on Sunday morning. But here's what I wanted. I wanted forgiveness on Sunday because I didn't want to go to hell, but don't expect me to do anything different come Friday. Expect to find me in the same places. When I got to college, expect me to find me doing the same thing, hanging out with the same people, talking the same lingo. So, so... On the day that I truly got saved, everything changed. It's not that I had to try to start not wanting to go to those places. I had no desire to go to those places. I had no desire to talk to those people if that's the way they're going to talk. Well, they're your best friends. No, they were my best friends. They were best friends with the guy that's dead and gone now. And if they want to stay best friends, they can either step over or we're going to have to part ways because I cannot continue to stay in that Right now, it was very offensive. It hurt. And she said, you know, you know, I, I've known that. I've known that about people, people that were Christians. I've, I've known a few people in my life that, that I hung out with, and they said they got saved, and it was like day and night. Everything about them changed. I said, see, God has allowed you to see God even when you didn't know what you were seeing. Isn't it amazing how fast God can change somebody? All of us in here ought to be able to say, Amen, because we are changed creatures because of Jesus Christ. Now, Luke doesn't talk about Arabia here in the story, but when Paul gives us his per personal testimony, we, we learn some things. So, 
Let's look at what Luke says here in the Acts of the Apostles. And then I want to take a look at Paul's personal testimony and put it together and see that there's a three-year window in here that isn't talked about in, in the book of Acts. Verse number 19, we received media strength and Saul certain days with the disciples with Damascus. It says, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues. That means he went right to preaching that he is the Son of God. But all that heard him were amazed and said, Is this not he that destroyed them, which called on his name in Jerusalem, and came thither for that intent, that he might bring them bound unto the chief priest? But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. And after that, many days were fulfilled, and the Jews took counsel to kill him. But their laying awake was known of Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and led him down by the wall in a basket. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, y'all at verse 26, you see that? When Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. <laughs> it, it's not that that story is incorrect. It, it's not that... that that this is a conflict of the truth. This is just Luke's take on it. This is just the writing in the Acts, and this is just where he went. But, but there's a part of the story left out. Paul gives us a little bit more detail. When Paul writes his letter to the church at Galatia, he's talking about this same season, this same time. He says in Galatians 1.11, uh, he says... Um, I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached to me is not after man. I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. For ye have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it, I profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in mine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. That means I didn't go to the disciples to get answers. I didn't learn what I know from flesh and blood. I didn't go to try to get with the apostles. I didn't go to Jerusalem to try to learn what am I supposed to do now. I did not confer with men. I conferred with the Holy Spirit of God, which was in me. I conferred with the Christ who met me and called me. And he says in verse 17, Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were the apostles before me, but went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Then after three years I went to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. But other of the apostles saw I none save James, the Lord's brother. Paul said, I didn't ask anybody's permission. I didn't seek anybody's approval. If you just looked at it, and, and, and that's why you want to take the word of God in context. It is from in the beginning to amen. It's not in the beginning and amen. It's from in the beginning to amen. That's one of the things I cautioned the young lady about. I asked her to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I said, read John first. If you read something that you think is a little bit different, you say, well, when I read this in Matthew, now I'm in Mark, it sounds like the same story, but there's some discrepancies. I said, if we were all four, if there were four of us sitting at a four-way and there was a wreck in front of us and we all had to give a testimony of what, of, of what happened in the wreck, of what we saw from four different angles, would the stories match? And she says, oh, of course not. 
She said, everybody has their own way of telling the story. Everybody has their own side of what they saw. So that's what you're going to see in the Gospels. There's no discrepancies in the Word of God. You have four men that walked with Christ talking about what they saw in Christ. It's the same here. This is not a discrepancy. But to just look at it here in our text, you would think, hey, here in a few days, he went up and he hung out with the apostles, right? And he started learning some things. Paul says, oh, no. I didn't go to Jerusalem for three years. We just read in our text that he went to Jerusalem, and he did go to Jerusalem, but not right then. So we wouldn't even know, had Paul not written this, we wouldn't even know about him going to, to Arabia. Neither I went to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but went into Arabia and then returned again to Damascus. So it is the prompting of the Holy Spirit that put Saul to work. It is meeting with Jesus that was the call, but it is the filling of the Holy Spirit. Same with you and I. It is the blood of Jesus Christ that saved us. It's God the Father that made a way through the blood of the Son, but it is the Holy Spirit that fills us. It is the Holy Spirit that guides us. It is the Holy Spirit that teaches us. It's the Holy Spirit that calms us. It's the Holy Spirit that, that gives us a calm when, when a family member's sick or, or, or gives us a peace when there's a reason to be anxious. It's the Holy Spirit that, that comes and helps us understand things when we're reading the Word. He's the one that wrote it. He ought to be the one to explain it, right? So, so he, he says that the Holy Spirit, he got together, he, that he put some time. But here's what we know when you study and put it together. Saul was given some of the greatest revelations. In this three-year window in Arabia, he is given some of the greatest revelations that were ever given to mankind. Matter of fact, it's the things that, that God used him to write in some of the letters so that we now have these great things to see. We have these great revelations to read. We, we have these things to know so that we might know more about God. Paul set himself apart with the Holy Spirit. Listen, call me anytime you want to. If, you, if there's anything I love to do, it's talk about Jesus Christ. If there's anything that I love to do, it's talk about the difference he's made in my life and what I know he'll do in yours. Not what I think he can do, what I know he can do. Not what I think he might do, but what I know he can do. So call me anytime you want. Ask me questions. I remember the first time I was ever going to teach Sunday school, and I spent night after night after night telling God I can't. I don't know enough about the Bible. I don't know enough about the Scriptures. I don't know enough to teach God I can, I can, I can't. What if somebody asked me a question and I don't know the answer? On the very first morning I taught, somebody asked me a question. I didn't know the answer. God did that on purpose. He's got an incredible sense of humor. I'm completely different now. I love it when you ask me questions that I don't know the answer because it gives me something new to study. Most of the time, I'm not going to know the answer. Y'all understand, right? So, so it gives me something new to study. You, you ask questions and, and you put things there. It, it, is, it, it causes me to have to hang out with the Holy Spirit. He causes me to have to spend time in the Word. That, that's what Saul did. He didn't go ask people. That's what I'm talking about asking. You don't have to ask me. You don't have to ask another church member. You don't have to ask another preacher. It's probably in the book. It's probably already written. And if it's not in the book, at least in a way that, that you might get it or understand it, it's probably related somehow in there. But if you spend time alone in prayer, prayer is a two-way communication, right? See, this is the part most people miss. We spend all our time running our mouth with our want list. We spend all of our time in prayer talking about, I want, I want, I want, I want, I need, I need, I want, I need, I want. If you just do this, boy, if you just fix that person, me and them could get along fine. Can't be nothing wrong with me, right? Got to be them. So, 
We spend our prayer time, but prayer time's not all about talking. Sometimes prayer time's about be still and know that I'm God. Shut your mouth, be still, and listen for a few minutes, and I'm going to explain some things to you. I'll teach you some things. I'll tell you some things. Matter of fact, just sit down and read, because if you think that silence is not, this is God speaking. This is God's Word revealed. This is God's Word already spoken. So if you're reading, you're listening to the voice of God. Because God wrote it. So all I'm saying is you don't have to ask anybody. You don't have to ask me or anybody around you. Spend some time with the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit teach you. That's what Saul did. He went away. He spent some long time with the Holy Spirit. He let the Lord teach him, and he learned some incredible truth about the Word of God. He, he learned about the cross of Christ, which he wrote about in his letter to the church at Rome. When he came back, he had learned the truth about the church of Christ, which he wrote about in the letters to the church at Ephesus. When he came back, he had learned about the return of Christ, the second coming of Christ, and he wrote about those things in the letter to the church at Thessalonica. He learned some incredible truth while he was away spending time with God, and he came back, and God used him to write those things. So we see that, that Saul has this meal. Let me, let me go back three years back now. Let me get back up. He has this meal here, and, and we, we see this great truth. We see Saul's salvation. We see a, a great welcoming into the family when Ananias comes, and they have a meal together, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. The word straightway right there, it's the same Greek word that we saw immediately. We just saw it in verse 18 where immediately they fell as it were scales from his eyes. Straightway, immediately. Same word. So what it says is that immediately he began preaching Christ there at Damascus, but then based on his personal testimony that he gives us in the letter to the church at Galatia, then he went to Arabia. So we see from his life as Saul of Tarsus, He's not a man to sit around and wait for somebody else to do something. If there was ever a type A personality, he's king of the hill. He, he's top of the list. I mean, he, he is the one. He's not going to just sit around. He was, about, he was about the Sanhedrin's business when he met Jesus. Now that he's met Jesus, he's about Jesus' business. See, see, we ought to be, I realize we're not all like Saul. Everybody, thank God, is not a type A personality. But, but we all have a personality, and it is our job to tell everybody else about Jesus, to tell everybody else about what happened to us. So he went to the synagogues, and the Bible says there that he began preaching that Jesus is the Son of God. I wonder how that went the first time he walked into a gathering of Christians. I wonder if it looked like somebody scattered a fire ant hill. I mean, if I'm a Christian, I done, probably done been beat up or a family member's been beat up back at Jerusalem. We ran, we ran out here to Damascus to get away from him, and I heard he's coming, and now we're having church, and he shows up? I'm figuring he ain't no good. I, I, wonder, I wonder what happened there in the gathering with all the Christians when he, when he first comes in. <laughs> I, I wonder, you know, I know they didn't have Facebook. And I know they didn't have Instagram and Twitter and all that other stuff. But unfortunately, the Christians are just as good at it as the rest of the world. News travels fast. You don't need all that stuff. You want something to get out, make it sound like it's gossip, and it's gone. If you tell it to be the truth, it may not go nowhere. But, boy, if you try to whisper and put it in like it's a little gossip, it's out there. 
Not a doubt in my mind that by the time they met at the synagogue, they'd unheard about this. He's been over there blind for three days on Straight Street. Remember, we talked about it. Straight Street is downtown. That, that's Broadway. That is Main Street, right through downtown. That's where all the businesses set up where people come to buy and trade and do stuff. He's been there for three days. The people that came with him, they've been talking about we heard something, but we didn't see him. But Saul went blind. You can rest assured the story's going. Can you imagine if you've heard that and you know that this man was coming to, to take the Christians and beat them, destroy them, whatever they can do, and you've heard that this man got saved, and as wicked as this man was, as hard as this man was in Jerusalem, he walks in and begins preaching Christ. Can you imagine the tears of joy that must have been in that place to know that the power of God could save even Saul? Can you imagine what Christians must have thought that had family members that was way out there and thought, man, if God can save him, God can save anybody. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I can look in the mirror and see that. By the same token, you, you had the psalm that, that they heard it, and they're like, when we got saved, same thing happened to us, right? He got what? Saved. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, we'll sell on that last. See how sell only puts that up. Anybody know what I'm talking about? People that knew you. That there, I'm sure there was some in the church. He got saved. Yeah, yeah, right. Mom, grab up the youngest. Let's get out the door right here. I don't trust this dude. Then I doubt my mind. It ain't gossip. Ain't nothing new in the church. Bible talked about sowing discord in the church a long time ago. So it ain't something that came up here at faith. That's something been around. Somebody been stirring for a long time. So there was some in there that that doubted anything that was there. But Paul preached Christ. Proving that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. Can you imagine the ones that, that fled Jerusalem? They, they may have even been there when Stephen was stoned. And they saw this man. They know what he's capable of. They see the hatred. They see the anger. They see the harshness of this man. And now here he is in the love of God preaching Jesus Christ. I don't know. I just wonder what it would have been like there in the building that day. I wonder, I wonder how it excited the church back at Jerusalem. We'll look at that a little later. There's a little more detail. After he does go back to Jerusalem, we'll see. It must not have excited them too much. They must not have believed it. We'll see that when he meets with the apostles. But imagine when the news got back to the church at Jerusalem that Saul, who had gone there to get Christians to bring them back and turn them over to the chief priest, Saul got saved. He, he met Jesus and gave his life to Christ. Wonder what kind of buzz that created. You know, Jerusalem's the mother church, right? I mean, that's the beginning. That's where everything else has stemmed from. I wonder what that created there. But, but also, I wonder this. I wonder what it created in the Sanhedrin Council's next little get-together. Saul did what? Pfft. You're crazy. I mean, Saul's the favorite son. Saul, he, he says, above many mine own equals. He says, I'm, I'm, I'm head and tails above most of them. I mean, he's the dude. He's the one that they gave orders to go get everybody. They didn't give it to anybody else. They gave it to him because they knew he's the man they can trust. He's the man that's going to get it done. I wonder what happened when they heard about it. He probably thought, 
Yeah, he's just using that to lure them all in. And then when he gets them in, he'll catch them in the act. Probably a lot of Christians might have been thinking the same thing there at Damascus, right? He's just using it to lure us all in. But, but wait, but wait. He wasn't just saved. He was what? He was baptized. He was baptized into the family. He publicly said, I belong to Christ. I belong to the church. Now, you got the Sanhedrin back here. They can't deny that. I wonder what's going on in their mind. I wonder the hatred that must have been going on in their mind about then. It says in verse 21 that all that heard him were amazed. and said, is this not he that destroyed them, which is called on his name, which called on his name at Jerusalem and came hither for that intent, that he might bring them bound unto the chief priest? Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus. I'm not even going to come close to getting where I want to go. We're about out of time. So, so some Christians may have been looking for proof. They may have wanted to see something. Some others are probably greatly rejoicing that the same gift that, that they received is the same gift that, that Paul received. I, I would imagine the Sanhedrin, they're, they're probably wanting an explanation as to what actually happened. They know what they've heard, but they, it's probably taken a lot of proof to get them to believe that. Uh, we gave him letters to get rid of the Christians. What do you mean he's one of them? But he increased the more in strength. The word used there for strength, the, used right here, it's the same word that is used to describe Abraham's faith in Romans 4.20. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. It's the same word that increased in strength. The Greek word, I'll do the best, endonamo, E-N-D-U-N-A-M-O-O. Look at the pronunciation, endonamo. That's the way it would look. But it means to empower. It is to enable. It is to strengthen. It is to make strong. It's the same word that we find in the hall of faith. Hebrews chapter 11, it says in verse number 34, it's talking about the heroes of faith. You know, all the great heroes and all that they did. And, you know, when time would not allow me to tell of all the things and talking about all the heroes of faith. And it says, quench the, the violence of fire, escape the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight, armies of the aliens. Saul grew in strength. That kind of strength. Saul grew in, in the power of the Lord, and, and he was made a strong witness. The, the Jewish community would have been dumbfounded. I, I mean, think about what's going on here in just a short time frame. You, you had Pentecost, right? On the 50th day, the Holy Spirit shows up, and, and you got these men coming out and speaking in all kinds of languages, and everybody from everywhere is there with all these different languages, and everybody understands them in their own language. The, the Bible says that they were confounded. They, they couldn't understand what was going on. Some of them accused said that, that, that they must have been drunk. You have the same thing going on right here among the Jews. Saul, the persecutor of the church, is now preaching that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. Can you imagine to, to see Paul testifying, to hear Saul witnessing about Christ, how confounded the Jews must have been? They, they thought they got rid of this Jesus, but he just keep, keeps coming back. The, the truth is, how many, how many know this is an incredible, incredible miracle that happened in Saul? 
I, I mean, is that amazing? You, you think about who he is and what he's done. Is, is, is that not a sign of the awesome, awesomeness of God? Is, is that not like, oh, wow, man, really? Like Saul, the, the one that, that stoned Stephen and started the persecution against the church and is now gone to get Christians, to beat them, kill them, whatever it takes. Is that not a picture of grace? Is that not a picture of the mercy of God, the goodness of God? What's any difference between looking at Saul and looking in the mirror? We, we have the exact same miracle living in us. We are the exact same picture. The people that knew us prior to, the day before and the day after, they're no different than the Sanhedrin. They knew us as we were. But on the next day, they're like, who is he? What is he talking about? There's no way. Man, all, all I can tell you is what happened in you and I is the same thing that happened in Saul. And, and God can use our story the same way he used his story. He may not use us to write 13 letters, 13 epistles, 13 books of the New Testament, 14 if you want to throw Hebrews under his name. You can decide whether or not you want to. Some do, some don't. But he may not use us to, to write the Word of God, but he can use us to reach the one across the street. He can use us to, to reach the one behind the counter taking up money where we're checking out. He can use us to, to reach the one at the gas station that's on the pump on the other side while we're standing there getting gas. We ain't got nothing else to do. Might as well talk about Jesus. He, he can use us to reach the world. It's the slogan on this church, changing our community one soul at a time. Are we? I mean, are we? Because if we're not telling people about Jesus, we ain't changing nothing. If we're inviting people to church, we ain't changing nothing. We're inviting people to know Jesus Christ. If they already know Christ, then you can invite them in church. They ought to already have a church they know Jesus Christ. Amen. But a lot don't. All I'm telling you, I'm, this is a time out because I can't go any further. I'm out of time, and we've got to go get some youngins down there, and I ain't even close to where I thought we might get to tonight. But it's just a little time out where we're right there at this point of Saul, and we'll just have to pick up um, next week where we are. We have a story to tell. My story. Tim talked about it. You said it. I don't know you like I know me. I can see why God would love you. I can see why God would love you. I love you. I can see why God would love you. I can't see why he would love me. God was there when I rejected him. God was there when I was taught about his book, when I was taught about his word, when I was carried to church by my family, when I was, when I was made to go to church and I was doing those things in Sunday school. God was there when I was taught about him. God was there when I rejected him. God was there when I walked away. God was there when I went to college knowing the truth and running away from it. God was there. I can understand why he would love you. But I'm with Tim. I can't understand why he would love me. Because I know where I've been. I know what I've done. So all I'm telling you is that I'm pretty sure that when you look in the mirror, you probably think the same way I do. You, you think... I don't know you like I know me, but I was there in my life. And we probably all think the same way, which means within every one of us is the same size miracle. We have a road to Damascus story, every one of us. 
It might be a different place. It might be a different time. It might be a different situation. But the results are the same. Lost and on my way to hell. Met Jesus Christ. Accepted the gift. Redeemed of the Lamb of God. Name written in the Lamb's book of life. On my way to glory. Not because of me, but all because of him. And my job now is tell somebody about what happened to me. Well, that's as far as I can go. I went five minutes over, but I was just about to have a good time preaching anyway. So, Lord, Lord willing, we'll, we'll pick up there later. Um, oh, Father God, help us, Lord, to be that. Lord, I already can't do what Saul did. The Bible says that Saul straightway immediately went to preaching. He went right to work. I sat on a bench for 20 years and feasted at a table without paying a dime worth of work, God. I may have paid tithes. I may have put money in, but I put no work in. I put no effort in, God. I, I sat in the comforts of your family for 20 years and did nothing. So I already can't do what Saul did. I can't go to work immediately. And God, I know not one of us in here can change yesterday. Not one of us in here can do anything to make yesterday any different. But we can change tomorrow by starting today. God, there's not one thing we can do to, to change the past. We can change the future by telling people about Jesus today. We can change somebody's eternal future by telling them about Jesus today, God. I pray you'd make us usable vessels. Father, I pray you'd strengthen us, encourage us, use us, that people would see Christ in us and Christ through us. God, help us, Father, to tell the world one soul at a time about what happened to us. It's one simple word, Jesus. We love you, God. You've been so good to us. Thank you so much.